Hey, it's the FinTech Newscast. My name's John, and with me, as always, is Steve. How are you doing? Dr. John, I am employed. How are you? Yeah, yeah. Well, you must not be at Brex. I've seen this uh, once high flyer, Decacorn, is uh, hitting a wall here. Big layoff, 20%. And, you know, they're they're not the only one, but uh, this one's pretty interesting. Well into our FinTech world here. Exactly. It seems like 20%, which is pretty, pretty, uh, pretty substantive, actually, to lay off 20% of one out of every five employees. It's, it's, it's a lot. That's right. We can still, we can say 20%. We can say one fifth. We can, well, this was interesting. This company started by like two guys from uh, Brazil, right? It was two very young guys who came, who came here, who came here to, to the Bay Area, I'd say maybe more than seven years ago. And honestly, um, I don't run a, a small business, so I can't really say about their product, but I, I can say that. Their ads were quite prominently featured in every bus shelter in San Francisco had a Brex ad. If you're in Silicon Valley, yeah, yeah. Actually, in the uh, SFO, in the airport here, there was big wall murals with Brex. And um, it's like everybody that flew in to, to get startup money, you know, they were trying to get that audience or something. You know, you should exactly. bank Pretty uh, hard to miss. Yeah, yeah. Well, fintech is definitely up and down. Uh, we see some success stories and some... Uh, retrenching. <laughs> I'll, I'll say uh, kindly for for Brex. Hopefully, that's the the end of that. But uh, we're lucky enough to have a success story with us. Anish Donji, the senior digital project product manager at Equal Seed. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you guys are not in Silicon Valley. You're based out of Arizona, right? That's right. We're sort of dual headquartered uh, with an office in Arizona and our other main office in uh, Manama in Bahrain. But I am based out of the Arizona office. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So how is the startup scene uh, in Arizona? You're, you're near Phoenix? We are. Yeah. Our office is, I live in downtown Phoenix. Um, the startup scene there is um, is pretty promising. Our offices are out in Glendale, which is um, about a 15, 15, 20 minutes from um, from Phoenix proper. Um, not not a whole lot of uh, startup action going on in in the sort of Glendale Peoria area, but Phoenix is buzzing. Oh yeah, it, I think I've heard about a lot of uh, banks that have back office work there as well, right? That is true. Yes. Does that make it easier to uh, recruit, steal them away? <laughs> uh, it, you know, it does a little bit. The talent pool in Phoenix is strong. Um, but we recruit. Um, we recruit at least on the on the tech side uh, worldwide. And your company, Equal Seat, is part of like it's not a conglomerate, but all these related companies uh, with Avana Capital, right? That's correct. So Avana Capital was sort of the uh, that is sort of the nexus of the group, um, and the group's name is Avana Companies. Um, Equal Seat is what we do sort of on the investment side, and we've got a couple of other. A um, couple of other companies in the mix as well. Oh, oh, so you guys are spreading out wherever you guys see uh, big opportunities. It, it looks like there's a lot of overlap in the commercial real estate space where you guys specialize. What's uh, Equal Seat's role in the in that space? So Avana Capital is a debt fund. Um, and the way that works is, uh, like a bank, we do commercial lending. Uh, but unlike a bank, we don't have depositor accounts, so we take uh, institutional investor capital um, that we use to fund these loans. Where Equal Seat fits in is providing retail investors, as you may guess, an equal seat at the table alongside those institutional investors. 
in investing in these commercial real estate transactions on the debt side. Okay, so equal seat kind of facilitates the investor into into that area into the commercial real estate space. Correct. Oh, so what are the what what's the pain point? What makes that so difficult that uh, that equal seat really you know solves the problem? It's really focused around access and access to this type of debt investing. So debt investing um, or uh, kind of the hot word on the market right now is private credit is really seeing this huge boom. And I think that's um, that's a fantastic thing. But getting into uh, debt investing or private credit investing as an individual investor, especially on larger assets like large scale renewable energy projects or hotel financing and things like that is just not something that's available in the market sort of at all. That's where sort of equal seed steps in with a fairly low uh, entry point to get into financing like that and earn the same returns as- uh, How low? How low are we talking about? $5,000. Oh, that's still too much for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so it really provides that access is what we're, is what we're offering there, access to these types of investments that are that have historically been reserved for the ultra wealthy or large sovereign wealth funds and things of that nature. So how do you guys uh, find clients? I, I imagine when you start something new, I am always wondering, um, uh, well, in your case, you kind of have some related companies, so you have some contacts, but how do you get those first few people to kind of, kind of get the ball rolling? Um, really, we've we've only just started um, on Equal Seat. We've had our, our initial sort of soft launch Oh, just like so a few months? Yeah, just a few months ago. So the ball is slowly getting rolling here. Uh, we've got a handful of investors um, that are that are enjoying the product so far. Um, and really, and yeah. Those were guys you had a contact with already? Some of them, yes, and some of them, no. Some of them are new investors. Some of them are friends and family. Some of them are um, contacts that we have through our other businesses, as you mentioned. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then um, and the goal is to make it available to just like a general audience. Yeah, for accredited investors. Okay, you still have to be accredited investor. You know, I've seen some uh, potential changes in the rules for accredited investors. Yeah, yeah. What What is that? Like you have to maybe pass a test now or the income uh, yeah. requirements changing? So the big two things that um, that sort of qualify you as an accredited investor in the eyes of the SEC are uh, income. So you know, ha- making you know at least two hundred thousand dollars a year or three hundred thousand if you file jointly, um, and then the other one is net worth. If you have a net worth of over a million dollars, excluding your primary residence, if you meet one. Of those, either one of those requirements are considered by the SEC as an accredited investor. They are adding things, they're changing a few things, they're making it a little bit easier to become an accredited investor. Um, I think the idea that the more money you have, the more <laughs> the more um, savvy you are with investments um, doesn't really line up. Um, I don't think it hasn't for for a while. I know lots of very unintelligent rich people. It just it doesn't. <laughs> and and people who are I'm sorry, Steve. Far no, smarter <laughs> and people that are smart far smarter than I am, and and some of the smartest people I know don't meet those don't meet those eligibility requirements, right? So um, it's really I think it's a 
it's a good thing that we're seeing some some movement there um, and some refinement of those rules. So I'm curious here. So I know that um, I think that I'm, I'm personally all about sort of lowering the threshold and barriers of entry for for investments. But I'm wondering what having I, I don't want to say opening the floodgates, but having more accredited investors or sort of broadening that definition. But but, but that all these players like you does does that mean that you'll grow the the pie and and the market will increase, or does that mean that things will become a bit more diluted and the chances to actually get a good return will be more spread out? Sort of how do you think that? lowering the the those thresholds will, will affect individuals as as the investment process becomes more accessible to all i think the more accessible we can make things for a broader scope of people the better right mm -hmm. there's always going to be um a demand for return there's always going to be a demand for um for safer returns um and i don't i think having you know, the institutions will buy as much as they possibly can, which is great for, you know, businesses like us. We've got funding to do loans. That's awesome. Um, but it really leaves out just a just a huge proportion of people who really, in our opinion, should have access to these type of investment opportunities um, that just don't. So I say, let the floodgates open. The, the the more the better right right and it's uh so you mentioned that you're mostly focused now on commercial real estate and sort of private debt as well is there a plan to maybe increase your offerings to look at other investment types sure so our business is constantly growing the market's constantly changing um we historically have been a huge commercial real estate lender especially in the hotel space um obviously we backed way off on that in in 2020 um but that's seeing a huge comeback. So our hotel properties are actually performing really, really well. And we're we're back lending in that space again. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it's really, we're tied to what the market is doing, you know, where we see the opportunities on the lending side. And then the other side of that is where our knowledge base is. We do a ton of commercial real estate lending because the rest of our team knows commercial real estate, right? Our chief credit officer, um, our our sales guys, we're, we're sort of super highly tuned to uh, commercial real estate offerings. So as more, you know, as our team grows and our knowledge base grows, we'll start dipping into other, um, other types of financing and other types of industries, but we'll stick to what we have knowledge in-house for. So it strikes me that the market is actually quite um, quite different depending on your geography, right? You, you could have booming investments, um, I'm going to say, in, in in the growth cities, maybe the, the press re returns if you look at other markets. Um, how do you think of creating a portfolio that, that can sort of withstand um, uh, more day-to-day -day changes in fluctuations? Or, or am I just think, thinking about investments in sort of the, the wrong way here? Um. Not in the wrong way, but just in, I think, a little bit of a different way. So that's that's mostly true, and that has more of an effect on the equity side of things. On the debt thing, on the debt side of things, things are a little bit more stable, right? People are going to pay their mortgages. Um, we do a ton of due diligence. It's one of the things that separates us from a lot of the other um, platforms like us on the market is all of our due diligence is 
in-house. Our chief credit officer is in-house. All of our underwriting and um, analytics are done in-house as well. So uh, really it's knowing your borrowers, meeting them face-to-face, um, and understanding the credit side of the business to make sure that the loans that we are doing are prudent. As long as they're paying their mortgages, as long as those bills are coming in, um, then the investors are getting paid. As long as they pay. Yeah. As long as they pay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, commercial real estate, yeah, it's been uh, kind of suffering all, all over the place. It just depends on how you pick your portfolios. Are there some areas where you're like, this is not, uh, you do international or is it just uh, domestic? Just By domestic. Way? Oh, okay. Are there some uh, areas where you're like, that's ah, just too risky an area or, or, or are some places booming where you really want to focus on, you know, what, what have you seen in the market? Yeah. So there are some areas that we don't, um, you know, that we, that we try and stay away from a little bit. Um, there are some areas that are, that are booming. Our focus really is, um, it, it really depends on the asset. Uh, so if we are, we don't do a lot of office, um, we haven't historically either. It's just not a, it's just not something that we are super comfortable with. We like uh, owner occupied assets. And when we start looking at owner occupied assets, especially like, for example, the hotel space, um, you know, as long as the demand generators check out, even if it's in a smaller location and like a tier, you know, a tier two city that doesn't have, you know, it's not a San Francisco or an Austin or uh, a New York or what have you. Um, even in those smaller cities, you've got demand generators that are that you know will provide uh, the level of occupancy that you need uh, to support that business and to support again the payments on the loans on that business. So it's it's dependent on we it's it's not a it's not really a blanket like hey we're going to avoid this area because of X reason. It's really looking at the individual business um, the you know, what their cash flow is like and, and all of those other, you know, old school uh, hands-on credit activities. Good that, credit um, is a good credit underwriting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sure. Uh, so your Equal Seed is uh, creating the software to automate as much of the process as possible or, or to for compliance and, and everything for you? Yeah, so Equal Seed for us is uh, is a way to to bring on more investors using technology, right? Our, what we've been doing sort of operating as a debt fund is not really any different, right? We have capital, um, it's large amounts of capital. I think our largest investor has invested uh, roughly $170 million. Our smallest investors are around a million dollars and we've got investor points everywhere in between. The idea behind Equal Seed, that's a very manual process, right? Dealing with investors and getting documentation out, things like that. When we looked, we really started as an idea in 2015, talking about Equal Seat and um, we didn't have a name, but talking about a platform that would allow us to reach more people, to offer this type of investment to more people. Uh, the only way that was going to scale is through technology. So a few years ago, we sat down and started um, really putting pen to paper or fingers to keyboards and started building out uh, what today is equal C. So 
uh, is it is it ready today where you nobody has to touch it someone can go on the website go through the uh, accreditation verification and then make an investment and and make the payment or or is it still uh one or two steps away from that still uh no that's ready that's ready you can go online equalseat.com sign up for an account go through your verification your your uh, accreditation check you can go through ID verification, uh, top up your wallet and start investing today. Okay, so yeah, it's good to go. And then you'll just uh, start uh, layering in more investments and and so it, it can it can scale as it is now. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's up and ready, it's scalable. Um, another thing that kind of sets us apart from other other players is all of the assets that go on to Equalseed are already fully funded by institutional investors. So there's no, you know, it's not like a loan comes on and you say, hey, I want to buy $10,000 of that debt. And then you have to wait until the loan closes and then you start earning interest. You really start earning interest on Equalsy the day after you invest. And that that processing and, and movement of money takes a day. And that's why that sort of builds in. But um, you start earning interest right away. And you also provide a service where you basically uh, um, give, give investors um, a fixed income, right? So they, they can expect these returns. Um, I'm curious, um, I know that past performance does not equal future performance, mm -hmm. but, I, but I'm also wondering what kind of returns are you seeing over the past, say, you know, uh, three quarters or so? Yeah, so it it's really tied to market rates. Um, equal C to super transparent on, on our, our sort of pricing model. Uh, we take the borrower's rate. Uh, we take 1.25% uh, off of that for servicing, 125 bits, and everything else flows through to the investor. No other fees or anything like that. So if a borrower, like a typical, let's say, hotel construction loan today is at 11% or 12%, uh, then the, the retail investor is earning that minus one point two five. Got it. Interesting. And and who who sort of your your I know that you have, you have a mission about it, essentially broadening access to to investments, but who is your target audience for this? Our target audience is really you know anyone that's an accredited investor. Uh, we see this uh, really as someone who um, has probably invested in alternative financing before. Um, you know there may be people that are taking their first step into this uh, with Equal Seat, but um, I think the majority are people that have dabbled with other similar um, similar platforms where you can kind of invest in, in things that you're interested in or areas that you want to invest in. People who are you know willing to invest online, that's not something that everyone is into, especially um, as really? you kind of hit the... <laughs> yeah. Imagine it's shocking. That. It's shocking, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, really that's that tech-focused alternative investment, someone who wants to see you know, instead of just throwing their money into the stock market, which is which is volatile and and right now I think a little bit terrifying, um, someone who's looking for that stable return that uh, that 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 investments provide. That that actually makes sense. I, I think that the John, um, even though you say maybe it'd be too high, I think that I'm um, I'm all about this, this this idea actually. You're you're what about this idea? I think I'm all about this idea. I I, I think I'm I'm gonna put all my all my eggs in in, in this one Equal out. Seat basket. Out. We'll have a next week. We'll have a review of Equal Seat. Awesome! Yes. I welcome it. How it worked for uh, Steve here. <laughs> Do you want me to lend you the other four thousand nine hundred ninety five dollars you need? 
Yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No problem. No problem. <laughs> so what was the hardest part about uh, getting this started up? I mean, you need some kind of specialized software. You said you had a team in Bahrain. Um, how, how does that, uh, for kind of an existing group, do you already have that kind of tech know-how in-house or did you have to kind of find people and, and figure it out a, figure it out a bit? Yeah. So we built Equal Seat um, with a third-party vendor that we worked with uh, out in Belarus. Um, we, we then, as the platform sort of take shape and gotten towards the, the, you know, getting ready to go live, we realized that we really needed to have a team in-house that could build upon it and, and um, Retain, you know, really growing. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So we have built a team in-house. We have a couple of fintech platforms that, you know, kind of under the umbrella. Uh, Equal Seed is one of them. We share resources. So we've got a small development team of about 10 people. Um, and we try and do as much as we can in-house uh, so we can keep control of the product, keep control of the roadmap, and really see this vision through. Yeah, that's kind of a core competency to be able to uh, and keep it growing. And, and you never know how things will will twist and turn. You're you're pretty early, but uh, you, you haven't had any major pivots in the product or anything yet, right? No major pivots in the product. Um, again, like this is you know the technology supports the core business, um, and that's really the beautiful thing about this is this is something that we have been doing for. For years, it's you know, Avana Capital is twenty years old, twenty two years old this year, I think, or twenty three years old this year. It can vote and drink, sure. It can vote and drink, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so really, a, it's beautiful that we've actually. Got it seems that like a lot of people drink, drink and then they vote. But <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Hopefully, that doesn't happen again. Again, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's you know, it's a. Um, it's nice to be able to have, build a product in-house where if we need deep institutional knowledge, deep knowledge, we've got that, we've got that, you know, next door. Um, it's, it's been really nice building a product that is so well aligned with, with the company's core values um, and the company's core focus. So these days, uh, so many people are working remote or uh, offsite. Are you guys an in-house kind of company or, or not in-house, but um, like in the office kind of company or are your are your people kind of spread out all over the world? We're spread out, just the development team. Um, we've got myself who I'm in the office in Arizona. Um, we've got a couple of people in the office in Bahrain. We have two people, sorry, three people four people remote in India, uh, one in Georgia, the country, yeah, uh, one in Vietnam. Um, our technical director actually uh, sits in Vietnam. And we are, yeah, we when we're looking for onboarding, we're looking for talent. It doesn't matter where they are. It doesn't matter what time zone they're in. We really, we really embrace the, the sort of hybrid, hybrid work structure. Yeah, yeah. Has that been a challenge uh, with uh, kind of launching, or you guys are pretty experienced with that? Uh, there's always some hiccups when you when you get started. I think I, it hasn't been it hasn't been an issue with us. Thankfully, it's been you know on the off day someone's internet will go down or or what have you. But that can that can happen in offices too. And when that does happen in offices, you've got way more people offline than uh, than online. 
So um, it hasn't been an issue. We're super comfortable with uh, asynchronous communication and, and things like that. It's it's really just, you know, we've been doing business like that um, for years. Havana has always been a dual headquartered company in Bahrain and um, in Arizona. And um, I think it'll continue to be that way. We'll continue to grow. And as we do, we'll continue to add to that list of countries. Yeah, yeah. So what's the plan for 2024? What's going to happen with Equal Seat? Uh, Equal Seat, hopefully we'll us continue the future. to grow. Tell us the future, Anish. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so continuing um, growing the, um, obviously growing the retail side of the business. Uh, we plan on launching uh, for institutional investors, a, a platform on the Equal Seat platform for institutional investors um, so they can manage their capitals for RIAs and things like that. Um, and then also one of the other companies in our in our group is a CUSO, a credit union service organization um, that that finds commercial real estate uh, investments for credit unions. Um, so a sort of participations platform um, for that for that group as well. So we'll we'll have a busy 2024. Okay, okay, you have plenty to do, and, oh, yeah. and also promote on a very popular podcast. Absolutely, yes. How can I forget? That's on the list. Yeah. Check. Check that box. <laughs> <laughs> Done. So you mentioned uh, getting access to people like um, women and minorities in, in investing and wealth management as, as part of the uh, uh, the goal. I guess uh, that extends to Ivana as well. How do you reach uh, a wider audience like that? Um, it's really through... It's really through education, right? Um, blogs, uh, we do have, and this is uh, maybe sort of a teaser for 2024, maybe 2025, but um, we'd love to start up an educational program that goes into schools um, and teaches kids about um, not just what we do at Havana, not just what, you know, uh, not just investing and, and how commercial real estate works, but how loans work. And um, I think the more, it really goes back to that accreditation uh, question and, and sort of to, to quote Steve, opening those floodgates, this all starts with education. The more people know that this is an option for them, especially in the investment space, um, or even, you know, knowing how commercial real estate loans work, right? What do they look for? What's, you know, how, how does that kind of unbottling that mystery? Um, I think that's where it starts. It starts with education. And and hopefully, as we educate more and more people, more people are aware that options like this exist, and it just kind of fuels that fire. Uh, kind of demystify it a bit, or where people can consider it an option more. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And that'd be great if kids came home and, what did you learn today? Uh, loan syndication, uh, securitization, <laughs> tokenization, credit underwriting. Yeah. Like, oh, that's very different from when I was in school. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned that the company is equally headquartered in Arizona and Bahrain, and you worked over there before. Was there any culture shock in the way you do business or just operating uh, in Bahrain versus uh, Arizona? I am very at home in the desert. Bahrain is was different. Um, so I started at Havana uh, in the Bahrain office. I was there for, for six years and before moving out to the U.S. Um, here in Arizona. I will say that all of our, the actual work that we're doing is all, it all happens in the U.S., right? All of our, all of our customers in the U.S., et cetera. Um, 
the way of life in Bahrain is much slower, though. So, you know, getting anything done for, um, you know, if you need to get your license renewed or anything like that is, is believe it or not, slower than going out to the, uh, the DMV here. Um, but it's a very relaxed uh, sort of family focused uh, way of life. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's slower, but in a nice way. Yeah, well, good luck to you. Uh, you know, the education part, the the widening, uh, the availability into something that's not very liquid for most of us. Great product, and we wish you all the best. Thank you very much. All right, that's Anish Donji, the Senior Digital Product Manager at Equal Seat. And uh, we'll have to have you back before the Equal Seat IPO, for sure. Sounds good. <laughs> Thanks, and uh, please hit subscribe, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.